It's all about the F1 and Daniel Ricciardo today on the splash. His future with Red Bull, that crash, and the approaching Spanish Grand Prix. It's Wednesday the 9th of May. It's time for your daily dose of Sporting Agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage. The Splash with your host, Phil Pryor. Welcome in to this Wednesday edition of The Splash, as I mentioned off the top. We're going to chat about uh, Daniel Ricciardo today, his future. There's uh, a fair bit of speculation there. The Spanish Grand Prix is fastly approaching uh, the, the big race happening this Sunday evening, and of course, that crash at Azerbaijan uh, a couple of weeks ago. So joining us on today's edition of The Splash is motorsport journalist for the Fox Sports website, Will Dayo. Welcome in, sir. Thank you, Phil. Nice to be here. It is very nice to have you indeed, and I thought I'd better do a bit of a breakout podcast on Daniel Ricciardo, because there's quite a bit of news, really, to cover um, and particularly moving forward, I think there was a something in my in- inbox last week from a, a betting website which suggested that Ricardo seems to be at pretty long odds to remain at Red Bull at the end of the season. So I'd love to chat to you about that um, as well. But maybe let's start with what happened in the past uh, at Azerbaijan uh, a couple of weekends ago. Uh, the big crash with... Max Verstappen, uh, as they were sort of uh, battling for fourth spot uh, in that race, I think it was on lap 40, when uh, everything hit the fan, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, and yeah, everything that sort of that came from that. Uh, so uh, I suppose most of the blame went to the drivers, uh, but, I, but I read a, a, a a comment piece by yourself, which uh, you you thought that maybe blame should be more squarely aimed at Red Bull itself. Well, that's the thing. Like we've all seen, like it's been almost two weeks now. We've all seen the video yeah. of what happened on lap forty, but it wasn't an isolated incident. It was probably the fifth or sixth thing that had happened over the course of that race between the two Red Bull cars, where Ricardo was either trying to pass Verstappen or had passed Verstappen. And there were a couple of instances where they actually made contact prior to that, where Ricardo tried to pass Verstappen down the outside at turn one where the incident ended up happening. Um, Dan went in a bit deep, bowled it a bit wide, and then tried to come back onto the circuit. And Max decided, well, this is <laughs> I'm going to take the line. Where your car is going to be is where it's going to be. And they made wheel-to-wheel contact. So the bosses on the pit wall had enough warning that something was brewing that there was escalating, an escalation, if you will. Yeah. And even if it's probably a bit strong to say it was always going to end that way, when you have the driver who has made a name for himself as being the best at making the late lunge passing manoeuvre in Ricardo, going up against the guy who's made himself a name for being the best late blocker in Verstappen. Yeah. The master defender. The master defender. Even though it's probably a bit harsh to say it was inevitable, Red Bull had to step in and manage that situation. And it's not a question of never allowing their drivers to race, as the team seemed to say, look, we don't have team orders for this reason. We want our guys to fight it out on track, but they need to keep it clean. 
um, as I said in the article. And let's face it, last time Red Bull did try and employ team orders, multi-21 didn't really work that well anyway. Yeah. But there has to be a point where they can say to their drivers in a race, look, you've done this, you've run into each other, that's it. For the rest of this race, you need to do, and you need to be in the positions that we tell you to be in. So yeah. if Ricardo's quite faster, which he clearly was at key parts of the race in Azerbaijan, Max, you need to let him through. And all of this needs to be set up. Can't be done in the heat of the moment, because as we saw with Multi-21 back in the day between Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber, race car drivers don't listen <laughs> too well to the idea of being told, look, mate, you're not going to be ahead anymore. So all of this needs to have been set out in the past and set up at team meetings and have that culture ingrained into them of, look, if you make contact, if you put the team's overall result at risk, we're going to take the race out of your hands and we're going to tell you what to do. And we have the necessary penalties in place to enforce that. Yeah. Instead of in, this... In the, in the form of major monetary... Uh, well, penalties? Well, yeah, whether it's financial or whatever. They're a, for they're a Formula 1 team run by smart people who surely can think of ways to punish their drivers. Yeah. So all of this should have been set out beforehand because it's we've seen since... Oh, let's, let's go back to Malaysia 2016 when it was... It boiled down to a straight fight between Verstappen and Ricardo for the race win. They raced each other extremely hard but extremely yeah. fair. But that should have set off a light bulb with someone at Red Bull to say, <laughs> okay, there might come a point where that's going to stop happening and they're going to cross a line. We need to have a process, a structure, a system in place to make sure that the guys know if you do something to jeopardize the team's result, there's going to be a consequence, some a big enough mm. stick to prevent it from happening. And they didn't do that. Has this created more inertia between Daniel Ricciardo and the Red Bull team. I understand he was made to go to Red Bull headquarters in the UK and apologise to all 800-odd um, yeah. staffers or something like that, which seems kind of a bit ridiculous. Um, it, I mean, because I suppose uh, long-term, we're, uh, we're going to be speaking about his future with Red Bull. Does this kind of thing hurt the, the relationship? Well, I think it was actually both drivers who were told by, by team principal Christian Horner, "Look, you're a bunch of you're a couple of very naughty boys. You have thrown away this result. You have thrown away the hard work of the all 800 of those staff who are all involved, right down to the janitor who sweeps up after the after the mm. production staff. All of those 800 people contribute their time, their effort, a lot of overtime in Formula One as well." to making sure that you two boys have cars that are capable of performing as well as they do and put you in a position to win races for the team. Because mm. effectively and Red Bull said, go to your room. You know, Basically, of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and which, justifiably so. And you could see that on both the drivers' expressions afterwards. Of, because that's kind of... Um, that's Red Bull saying to everyone publicly that we are blaming the drivers. Yeah. And and you're, you've come out um, and written about saying that Red Bull should be at uh, were at fault here, not necessarily the drivers for wanting to race hard. So, so you, it's, it's not that's a question two of different them parties and two different opinions. It's not a question of them taking total responsibility, but the fact that they just 
offloaded all of the responsibility onto the drivers, I thought was a bit yeah. rude. Yeah, yeah. But you're right, it will the fact that they've done it in a and that the fact they've done it in such a balanced way in blaming both Max and Dan equally, and the fact that both of them have been told to report to Milton Keynes to um to apologize for their actions shows that they at least the very least don't want to show favoritism. Yeah, yeah, at sure, all. sure. Um, which, again, as you said, the key thing here is that Ricardo is in the middle of contract talks. They've got Max on the books for the next couple of years already, yep. locked away, yep. can't go anywhere. But if they want to keep Dan, they needed to show that there was no favoritism one way or the other. Mm. But they also then had to keep Max happy because <laughs> they know he's a very fast guy and he is the only guy contracted to Red Bull. He is ultimately their future yeah, yeah. for the next two years. He's a promising up-and-comer. Exactly. Uh, he's uh, currently ranked eighth in the Drivers' Championship. Dan Ricciardo is in fifth on 37 points, just three behind uh, Valtteri Bottas. Um, of, of course, one of the other Mercedes drivers and Lewis Hamilton um, being the star of the the Mercedes team is in first in the Drivers' Championship right now. Um, Hamilton finally broke through for his first uh, race win of this uh, year at uh, Azerbaijan. Um, how does how does that affect his season and campaign moving forward? He, he would obviously gain a lot of confidence from that and moving into the Spanish Grand Prix. Is he sort of the firm favourite now after, I suppose, a moment there where everyone maybe had a little bit of doubt as to what was going on. <laughs> well, the thing is, as you said, he's the star of the Mercedes team, but you look back at individually at the races this year, with the exception of Australia, where he was easily the the best guy on the track all weekend and only lost that race due to circumstances not of his own making, let's say. So it wasn't his fault that he lost that race. Look at every other weekend so far this year, and Bottas has had the edge on him, which is unexpected and very unusual. Um, for whatever reason, Hamilton re- just hasn't had that edge of dominance that he had over Bottas for most of last year. Even in Azerbaijan, going into the last couple of laps, it wasn't Hamilton that looked like he was going to win the race. It was it was Valtteri Bottas or Sebastian Vettel, and both of those drivers. In Vettel's case, through his own mistake, having a massive brake lock up at turn one while trying to snatch the lead of the race, and Bottas, unfortunately, copping a puncture from Debris. Um, that's the only way Lewis won that race. So it's odd that we had to head to a, what's always a pivotal part of the championship when Formula One heads back to Europe with a championship leader who, I guess, has has such a big question mark over whether he is not so much the dominant driver of the not so much a good driver. We know Lewis Hamilton's a good driver. He's got the runs on the board. It's a question of whether he actually has the form and the impetus to kick on with this. Um, this weekend, is, as I just said, it's always a pivotal weekend because this is the time of the year where Formula 1 heads back to its home ground. All the team bases are nearby. So this is where they normally wheel out their biggest upgrade of the season so far. So in okay. terms of new wings, new parts, new aerodynamics, new floor, whatever. So that kind of will potentially shake up the form guide for the weekend based on what we've seen in the past. 
Another thing that could potentially change that is the FIA are cracking down on this practice called oil burning in the engines. So it's commonly, it's widely thought that Mercedes and Ferrari, they have this advantage in qualifying over the Renault-powered cars, like Red Bull, for example, where they're able to crank up their engines, produce a bit more power for one lap. And this oil burning practice is thought to be part of that. Now, that advantage is potentially being taken away for, the, for, for this weekend. That could put the Red Bulls into the fight for pole, which they haven't been for quite a long, consistently for quite a long time. And okay. that's, that's going to change the dynamic of the race as well if they're right in the middle of the fight. So it's, pro- it's going to be hard to actually choose a genuine favourite this weekend. It could, be a, could legitimately be any one of those top six drivers from okay. both Mercedes, both Ferraris. Don't count out Kimi Raikkonen. He's been quite strong at various times this year, pushed Vettel very hard in China for pole position, or either of the Red Bulls. Mm, okay, interesting. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's gather ourselves for a moment, Will. Have a sip of your water if you need to. Um, I hit the wrong button on the coffee machine. And <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. I hit the long black button and it's just... It's, it's, it's overcooked. not you, is it? It's oh, overcooked. Dear. Yeah. It's it's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about um the F1 trademarking the shoey? <laughs> Did you hear? <laughs> yeah. How crazy yeah. is this? So, Dan Ricciardo's trademark... Shuey after a, a GP win. We saw it only a couple of races ago in China. Um, so the F1 have uh, sort of uh, made world intellectual property of uh, of the term, I suppose, Shuey, um, which means, uh, you know, this registration covers goods like bottles and beer merchandise and mugs and, and things like that. That's pretty cheeky. Oh, absolutely. You, you've got to <laughs> they hand love it... a trademark, don't they? Oh, dear. Yes. <laughs> yes, they do. But you've got to hand it to them for that little bit of opportunism to see, oh, here's, here's, here's something we can do. <laughs> Thing is, though, one of, those, one of those areas where this doesn't cover is clothing in Australia because the Mad Hueys where it's... it's <laughs> Ever since he started doing this, there's been a lot of research into where the shoey actually began. Like, I, I still remember back being back at uni in mid, well, let's say, between 2003 and several years after that. <laughs> and I lived on a residential college, and like shoeys were done there. wasn't known by that name, but shoeys were done there by the rugby team whenever they won, or sometimes even when they didn't. Yeah. Um, so the Mad Hueys actually have the trademark for the use of the term on clothing and, textile, and textiles, I believe, in Australia. Yeah, right. So that's one area where, ironically, Formula One doesn't have <laughs> have the opportunity in Dan's home country. Yeah, yeah, because they uh, well they they trademarked this in uh, in twenty five different countries, all your leading hmm. sort of uh, F one countries, which is very interesting. Maybe if I show you this coffee, it'll taste a little bit better. I'm thinking. It depends on the shoe, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It, it, there's a fair chance it might improve uh, the overall taste. It'll Any- definitely have an impact. <laughs> anyway, look, let's move forward. Um, as we've sort of alluded to, Dan Ricardo is out of contract with Red Bull uh, at the end of this season and has expressed interest um, in moving to uh, somewhere where he can contend for a driver's championship. Mm. Um, but Mercedes have kind of come out 
uh, in the last couple of days and said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we want Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, where is this at? Well, realistically, you look at where Dan could be next year. There, are th- If he wants to win a world championship, there are three options. There's Mercedes, who have won all the recent titles. There's Ferrari, who have pushed Mercedes the hardest at, in the last few years of the hybrid era. And then there's Red Bull, who he's been with, who brought him into Formula 1 and have the potential to win a world championship. Outside of that, none of the other teams, bar a remarkable turnaround or, I don't know, finding the secret to motorsport under in the corner of the factory... None of those other teams are genuine championship contenders for at least the next two years when the F1 rules change will potentially change again. Okay. So you look at them one by one. Mercedes, as you said, it wasn't so much they came out and said they weren't interested in Ricardo. It's that they've got a very strong um, young driver program where they identify talented drivers right down the ladder who are coming through. Guys like um, Esteban Ocon, who races for Force India, was a product of that. Um, Pascal Verlein, who won the DTM championship a couple of years ago and raced for Mana in and Sauber the last couple of years in Formula 1. He's another product. Yep. They've got a couple of very talented young drivers on the boil. George Russell is one of them. There's a, there, and in summary, Mercedes isn't short of options for drivers. Yeah, They've okay. got... Factoring in the two current pilots in Hamilton and Bottas, who let's not throw Bottas away. He's done very well so far this year. Um, They've got four or five options up their sleeve without having to look anywhere outside of their own kingdom. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's what that's all about. If they really wanted Dan, they they could get him. And there would, I guess, never say never. If Lewis, halfway through this year, decided, you know what, I, I don't need this anymore. Yeah. They need a genuine top-line driver. Yeah. A race-winning driver to go alongside Valtteri Bottas, and Dan certainly fits that bill. You look at Ferrari. Now, everyone talks about how Kimi Raikkonen's getting on a bit. He is the oldest driver in Formula 1. Yep. Um, he's not what he used to be. He's subservient to Sebastian Vettel. Despite currently uh, placing third in the Drivers' Championship on 48 points. And that's it. You look at how Kimmy's gone this year. He's actually gone extraordinarily well. Mm. Um, he's had There have been problems, but not necessarily of his own making. You look at... the I mentioned the Chinese Grand Prix weekend just before. He only barely missed out on pole position to Vettel and probably would have been a contender for podium or victory on his own merits ignore what happened in the second half of the race after the safety car, except Ferrari hung him out to dry on strategy. Now, what they did was to try... They Sebastian Vettel led early and blocked Kimi on the run to turn one and cost him a spot to Valtteri Bottas. When all the pit stops happened, Vettel fell behind Bottas and they thought, well, let's keep Raikkonen out there till those guys catch him and maybe that sort of disturbance can help Vettel to get past Bottas back into the lead. Basically ruined Kimi's race, for the most part, at least his chances of victory. Ferrari have a habit of doing that. Ferrari have a habit of favouring one driver, or using their second driver to aid the first driver's cause. Yeah, yeah. Cycling style. Exactly. Um, And I don't see Ricardo being keen on fulfilling a domestic a domestic role to 
Vettel. And he'll yeah. have that written in his... Con- if he was to sign at Ferrari, he would have that written in his contract. But having that written in your contract and the team trying to do it anyway, very different things. So mm-hmm. there's that factor against Ricardo potentially heading to Ferrari. A factor for him heading to Ferrari is, that of course, they make good cars. They've, again, been the most consistent challenger to Mercedes and the most consistent threat for race wins who are not Mercedes, for the past four years. Yeah. And have proven in the past that they can win world championships. They have the people, they have the staff. It's been a while, but they have the capability to do that. But like Mercedes, Ferrari also have a young driver academy. And whereas the Mercedes, I guess, guys like George Russell are maybe slightly too green to come into Formula 1, Ferrari have a top driver in Formula 1 or a promising young driver in Formula 1, I should say, in Charles Leclerc. He's racing for Sauber, and he was, amid everything that happened in Azerbaijan, he was Formula 1's driver of the day. He's the one who won that award for scoring his first World Championship points in a Sauber. So he is extraordinarily highly rated. He is the reigning GP2, sorry, Formula 2 champion, so the next step below Formula 1. If Ferrari realistically want to replace Raikkonen and look towards the future, depending on how he goes this year, he could fit that bill. Yeah, Maybe right. they could sign Raikkonen to a one-year deal and then have Leclerc come in in 2020. Yep. That's a possibility. Yeah. So I think it's a bit tough to suggest that Ricardo is... Ricardo may be Ferrari's number one preference to slot in alongside Vettel in 2019. But they have a lot of options as well. Mm. So the third potential for Dan is to stay at Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. That's a known quantity insofar as he knows the team, he knows who's in the other car, he knows what they're like, he knows his strengths and weaknesses against that. He has an extraordinarily... In Verstappen, he has possibly the best benchmark in Formula 1 because Verstappen's only going to get better and better and better. And that is going to cause Dan to up his game yeah, consistently sure, to try sure. and beat him. And we've seen that the past couple mm. of years. The one question mark is what Red Bull will do for engines the next couple of years. Because Renault have said, we don't really want to supply you engines after this year. We just want to focus on our team. Red Bull also have Honda engines potentially up yeah. their sleeve because they currently supply Toro Rosso. They took the deal over from McLaren. But those engines haven't exactly set the world on fire so early this year. They've set a lot of things on fire, but the world, no. But they, but equally, to their credit, they've performed slightly better than they did in the backs of the McLarens the past three years. So that is another factor in Dan's considerations as to whether to stay at Red Bull, aside from the whole Verstappen, Azerbaijan team support, all that, is whether he actually will get a car from Red Bull that can contend for the World Championship in 2019 and 2020. Yeah. Because you look at his next contract cycle, if he signs a two-year deal this year for 2019-2020, he's going to be 31 the next time he has to sign a contract. Now, that's not old by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I know this because I'm 33 this year. But <laughs> but it's not young. <laughs> it's not young. And there's all those drivers we just mentioned. Charles Leclerc, yeah, yeah. George Russell, Verstappen. Verstappen, Lando Norris, who's McLaren's young development driver. All these guys are coming through. And you don't know how they're going to be the next couple of years. Dan may not be the number one hottest prospect yeah. that's available when it comes time to sign the next contract. So 
It's an interesting uh, one. Old mate's got a lot to, on his plate to think about. Yeah. He's got... Yeah. yeah. How would... Just very quickly, we should wrap it up, but how would you like to see this play out? Uh, where, do you, where do you think his best uh, solution lies beyond this year? I'd like to see him stay... Honestly, I'd like to see him stay at Red Bull and Red Bull get engines that make them consistent contenders for race wins in the championship because that means we have six cars in the fight for victory. Yeah. Week in, week yeah. out. And that's that's as good a result as you can ask. Exactly. And the rest is up to yeah. Dan. Well, it, particularly considering that heading into this season when we sat in this very room and had a, a chat about the, the upcoming season, it, it seemed sort of like anticipation was a little bit dulled by the fact that we just assumed that Lewis Hamilton <laughs> and Hamilton would cruise to and the exact opposite has happened. Exactly. He's, he's leading, yeah. as you said, but yeah. it's not been a cakewalk. Nah, Certainly not as much nah. as Lewis would like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, uh, we better leave it there. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, and any, any thoughts for the Spanish GP this weekend? Um, tune in at 11 past 10 on Fox Sports 506. 11 past 10 p.m. <laughs> Sunday evening. That is, uh, let's hope Dan Ricciardo is in the hunt uh, to keep his name uh, on at the top of the list in terms of hottest property. Um, and uh, and that'll do us. Uh, Will, how do we follow you on uh, Twitter? At WillDale956. Lovely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, feel free to continue the conversation with myself as well at phil underscore prior uh, but until next time on the splash that's a wrap